0: Greetings, welcome back to the solo podcast anime one at a time where I take a pause for the series I'm watching among the hustle and bustle of the shiny new anime of today, also exploring the undervalued and unknown. I am the host Lita and this is episode 20, 0, oh, don't I feel like every time I do an episode I just keep saying about... The double digits. I remember when I got to episode 10, it's like, oh, that is a, that's like a, it's like a milestone for me. I feel like we're in a milestone now, 20 episodes. I know, mean, maybe it's a bit presumptuous of me to say, oh, it'd be nice if we could get up to 50 episodes by the end of the year, but I don't think that would happen since I promised you guys two episodes a month. It's just, it's not been happening as much as I have wanted it to happen desperately. But, um, again, life has been a bit busy. Uh, I recently have moved and um, it's been a bit chaotic, probably the past three weeks. And finally I've got my little den, we'll call it, my little room where like all the stuff happens, where I write my blog and all that. It's like my own personal little anime den, it is. It is so cool be- even being in here right now, recording this. It's the first time I'm recording or doing anything to do with what I usually do on the interwebs. And it's looking around, it's very, very s- inspiring. It is very inspiring to be in this sort of place. I think when people talk about, I want to have my own anime room one day, or we'll set up their manga shells, all the sh- mangas everywhere around them, it's supposed to be inspiring and have this creative feeling or aura around you and i honestly have only been feeling it like today but today was the first time i just kind of been able to be in this room um yeah i have been meaning to like talk about that my room like on my blog and stuff but anyway that's the reason another feel like excuse reason why There hasn't been like two episodes. I really am hoping maybe before the end of April I could get out another one to talk about seasonal anime. Which is what this episode was going to be. (laughs) Because last episode I talked about um, Gorgantia on the Verdirus planet that you can check out for last episode. That was for Mecha March. Um, Talked about one of my favourite Mechas. For a um, blog event that happens every March. It's ran by my friend Scott. So you can check that out. And then I said, oh, I'm going to do a seasonal episode. You know, because I finished quite a few seasonals last um, month. Because obviously now we're in spring. And I have already just gotten on the spring anime. I have already checked out. Was it Yamada Loves Me at level 99.9%. Uh, my best friend told me about that show. I'm already caught up with it already. It was really... Got got me into it super addictively. I was like straight into it. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, this is so good. Um, good rom-com. Um, about a girl, Makane, who gets dumped by her boyfriend. And then she just started playing video games because of him. And then she ends up meeting her like, guild mate that's in the gang called Forest spirits something and she ends up meeting him in real life his name's Yamada and um you know he's kind of like you know your typical yeah I don't do girls I'm such a real homebody loner you get the picture there it's super cute the way the show has been done definitely need to check that out and I've been watching Dr. Stone season three I've been waiting for this for so long I'm watching it in the dub at the moment um because i really really love the dub so it's gonna come out slower but i'm not in any hurry so those are the only two i've watched and some others obviously because there's so many always spring there's always seems to be a gigantic honey pot of all these gooey lovely shiny new anime um so like there's obviously demon Slayer. i haven't checked that out yet Uh, Ancient Magus Bride Season 2 feels weird to say that because it's been so long I'm trying to get my mind into that series again because it's yeah been so long Um, this series about muscles and magic Um, yeah there is quite a few that I really want to check out and that's including my side anime I'm watching but anyway that's my usual five-minute, usual to five to seven-minute spill what's been happening in, well, in my life and what's going on with the anime watching. I feel like I always talk about seasonal stuff to begin with anyway. Just so you know, I am in the game still. But as I originally said, I was going to talk about a seasonal series and I changed my mind because last Wednesday... I finally went to see a film I've been anticipate, anticipatedly waiting for for the past year, which I think a lot of people have, if they are a fan of this particular um, director, which is Makoto Shinkai. And um, and there's no secret here which film that was, but um, we're going to do the usual spill. So this film only came out in... November 2022 last year and it's two hours and two minutes long just for those who don't know that it is actually that long I had no idea I personally didn't look when I went to see it um we can class this as I guess like a romance fantasy uh coming of age film I would depict it as and that film is Suzume, Makoto Shinkai's latest, latest film since 2019. And I knew as soon as I saw it, I knew I would be doing a podcast on it. Because I don't... I think I've only done one previous episode on an actual anime film, which was The Cat Returns. So I think it was like, oh, this would be a nice change. Let's talk about a film for once. And... So yeah, went to see it last Wednesday. Me and my partner thought we were going to have like the whole cinema to ourselves. But then there ended up being two other girls, Japanese girls come in. But that was it. It was pretty quiet, pretty chill, um, which is, you know, how I like it. But it's always kind of good because, you know, I, I do find that there are certain anime films that maybe people won't check out, but I think the cinema we picked, I don't think a lot of people would have attended. Anyway, it was kind of like out of the way kind of a cinema. But it's thrilling to see an anime film in um, on the big screen. I'm trying to recall if I've seen already one this year, but I definitely don't think I have. This is definitely my first anime film I'm seeing in the cinema this year. So I'm kind of jealous of like all the premieres that have happened in North America because the UK got it first and I think Australia then, where I am, got it. And then North America's kind of only getting it now, which is kind of a weird order. But like, you know, they get to have like these promo posters right in front and then there's like a, you know, cardboard cutout signage thing of like Suzume walking through the door. It's like, I don't have anything like that here, I don't think. So... I was really hoping that maybe that maybe the cinema we were attending would have something like that, but it just nada, didn't have a thing. Um, but it's good to see, even though it was a week ago, we saw it, um, they're still showing it, which I had no doubt, because I remember when anime films started coming out in cinema, and they would only show it for a week, and then that would like be it. Um, It'd probably be like two weeks later, we get extra screenings. Now it's so different. Now it's just like, well, they'll have the usual, you know, it go from Thursday to Wednesday here, and then they'll just announce that they'll add on extras. So I didn't really doubt for a second that they wouldn't add extra screenings from this film. And I love how that is now. Like, it's definitely being shown way more across different Australian um, cinemas. Which before, they only stuck to, like, a couple of companies here. But now it's so versatile in screening anime films. It's it's wonderful. And it shows how much the times have certainly changed. So how I'm going to break this down because there is definitely a lot to say about this film a lot. So I'm going to split it fairly. I'm going to go and talk about spoiler free for the first part. And then, and then I will say when I'm going to go into the spoilers because there's no way I can't talk about this film and not go into spoilers with certain things. So for the first part from now it's just all going to be spoiler free for y'all so don't have to worry about me giving anything away in particular if you have not seen this film and then i will say when i'm about to go into spoiler territory and if you still feel like you want to continue listening or you don't care about spoilers it's fair enough but yeah i'll just you know give the usual disclaimer you know it's it's an it's a service i feel like you know as people should do when we're talking about shows. I know I've mostly, in my other episodes, just been really spoiler-free. I have. But this one, yeah, it's different. And maybe I maybe I might change my format of how I do it, typically. But it depends what I've seen in that really gets me to be like, okay, I really want to talk about a particular spoiler. But anyway, so Susan May. Um, Is the first film that's come out since 2019, which the last one was Weathering With You. And um, uh, definitely Weathering With You is one of my favorites. Um, Trying to pick when I first got into Makoto Shinkai as a director, because there's like not too many directors I actually personally follow that work religiously. Just had to take a moment here to think, God, what was the first Makoto Shinkai film I ever saw? And um, that was a uh, five meters per second in two thousand that came out in two thousand and seven. God, so long ago. I there's definitely that's one of Makoto's earlier works, but there's more that go past that. There are like the place promised in our early days and the voices of a distant star. But my first one was five meters per second, which I think is a lot of firsts for a lot of fans back then, and um. I really liked how the telling of the romance between the main characters, I remember how I felt about it. About two, um, two na- I think it's about, yeah, two teenagers who just end up um, meeting again later in life and you know they wish they'd said their feelings, it's kind of along those lines. And it's a really, really beautiful piece of a film. I mean, I think the cinematography is like what really captivated captivated me first. All the different places um, that were obviously, as you know, in anime, there's a lot of real places in Japan are used as reference for in shows. And uh, the places that were picked in this particular film, Five Minutes per Second, were really well thought out. But back then, I wasn't thinking those things, (laughs) I wasn't about cinematography. I just thought it was a pretty anime, and it was a beautiful story on the theme of um, love. Um, and then that's when I learned later on, when I dove into seeing his next one, which was uh, Children Who Chase Lost Voices. Now, I think that one is a less popular one. I don't really hear many people talking about that much. Um, I just thought it was it was such a ride, that story was. Um, but it's been so long since I've seen it and I honestly can't remember the main storyline. But I know it's about a girl who goes to like another world. It was, again, it was about another form of love. And I was beginning to notice a pattern with Qinghai, that all That all of his films are about different forms of love. He seems to have a focus on like love and romance. And when I was doing some research, reading interviews and that sort of thing you know it confirmed that that's well what his what his films he liked his films to be about M- majority of them have a form of um or a telling or retelling about love yeah so that's what i find about his films each film i've seen by him so far all has a different theme about love um obviously like Later on came The Garden of Words, which was a massively popular one. I think it really took off for him then. And obviously then Your Name came along and that made him like, you know, be as known as he is now because, yeah, that that, that film's some good shit. It is. Um, and I think that really spoke, that made his love of the theme of love itself really shine through that. I know, kind of a body-swapping plot, as anyone would know. Um, I do have a soft spot for that film. I actually got my partner to end up watching that. I did. And he actually quite enjoyed it. Uh, It's definitely an experience. Wonderful film. Can't really fault that one. And then along came Weathering With You, and I had a real soft spot for that one. Weathering With You, I definitely felt like was a different... I felt like Shinkai was going a different direction then. Um, Real about youth and the messiness of it and how we feel at that age of the characters in that story. I feel like, you know, they can achieve whatever they want, a real coming-of-age like story and... I really like the concept of fantasy mixed with urban Um, and it just, it became a favourite, a big time favourite and when I get a favourite I go buy it on Blu-ray so I happily have it on Blu-ray. So I definitely would like to talk about Withering and with you on here sometime but first I feel like I should re-watch it first, (laughs) I feel like I should. And then along came Suzume, which I'm sorry, I wasn't planning to go through the whole nearly timeline of all Shinkai's works. But I just wanted to give a brief history of, you know, what made me get attached to him in the first place. Um, Because then I felt like it would make it easier going into this. So, I was really excited particularly about Suzume because he was definitely going for a new angle in this. That's all I knew. Like, from watching the trailer, I could tell that there were some fresh ideas in here. Because all of his other works, they've all shown some sort of different theme of love itself. Like I felt like um, Weathering With You was about, you know, young love um, with the story and everything and Your Name was really about boy meets girl and the garden of words was really about um, there were some real deep feelings there, we'll say. Um, the Place Promised in Our Early Days, one of his earlier works, that was kind of like, real like unrequited, well, unrequited, and like I didn't see my feelings soon enough. And five minutes per second was a great one about teenhood Um, the complicatedness of feelings at that age. Um, Every single film he's done, I've seen, because I've not seen all of them yet, um, has spoken a different form about love and that's what I got addicted to his works. And then watching Suzume has made me definitely see that he is still in that realm of wanting to show you know, his theme of love, but at the same time, um, he's steering away from that. And this film really solidifies that. Um, that he expressed about the the boy meets girl thing like, is a bit old for him in, in a recent interview I read. And um, you can tell that about in this film, you can. So for just, just getting into what is Susan May all about, Because I had no idea walking into this. So we, as usual, have uh, a main female, (laughs) always a pretty female in his films, 17-year-old Suzume, who lives in a cute, you know, beach country town in Kyushu, and she runs into a handsome man named Sota, who asks, where are some old ruins around? which is an odd question. And then she has a deja vu moment like, oh, wait, those are dangerous where I just suggested for him to go. And then she goes um, down to these old ruins, which um, have some inspiration to say about it, which I'll go into a bit later. And she finds this random door in the middle of... Well, this like dome shaped building that's completely crumbled and in the mi- middle of a massive pool of water. And um, she next minute, she's like, oh, nothing really going on here and I can't really see him anywhere. For some reason she ends up going back to where she originally was, then ends up coming back. And because the sky turns dark and then there's this massive like tube thing coming out the store, known as a worm. And there is the handsome man named Sota trying to shut the door. And um, she ends up ran, she just, I don't know how she takes it, the whole like experience. Like, it's just like, what the hell is going on here? Like, because like she, before that, she ends up picking up like this stone-like thing and then that kind of activates the door, it does. and. Next minute, she finds herself trying to close this damn goddamn door. The sky turns black, and it looks like this massive worm thing is about to collapse on her own hometown. And they slam the door shut. And then that's when she finds out that Soto is known as a closer. He chases these doors that are going to bring great, great disasters from this place called the Ever After. And um, he goes around all Japan trying to close these doors. And that's where they meet this cat, um, Deijon cat, which is this keystone. And unfortunately, Suzume doesn't realize that the cat was the keystone that was holding this thing called the worm um, in place. So by removing it, she's causing more of these doors to open throughout all of Japan. So... I don't know. This cat is very strange, like in his personality and everything. And he ends up um, turning Sota into a chair <laughs> uh, from um, Susan May's childhood. Her mother made her this chair for her for her birthday, and Sota ends up becoming the chair. And then they and then obviously. Things take off from there. Susan May ends up going around everywhere, um, trying to shut these goddamn doors. For, so disaster does not strike. So that is all the premise you really need to know. I don't feel like anything I mentioned then really spoiled it. But keeping this obviously spoiler free, Um thinking, how how do I go about this, keeping this for the free? Oh, <laughs> ah, that's why I was like, so hesitant to talk about this anime, like any anime. It's like, how do I, how do I word any of this? But I'll well, say Suzume, like as a whole, oh, it's a great experience. Like I really did enjoy every moment of this series. Like it did all the things, it did the, it made me laugh. Made me cry unexpectedly. Made me hit somewhere personally that I didn't think it was going to hit. It oh, had so many great moments working for it. Let's start off with um, Suzume as the main lead. We'll, we'll start off with that first. Um, God, she was great. Like, she was a fantastic female and lead for this series or film sorry she just oh, she was engaging the for the first few moments that she's on the screen and meeting SOTA and I love the voice actor because we saw this uh, subtitled I really wanted to see this um, English but my partner um, uh, has a hearing disability so you know and also reading subtitles is more useful to him so but I really love the Japanese voice acting in this. was great. And she was just, like, engaging from that moment, like, from as soon as you're into this film, within a few minutes. She's... It's just... I think what made me absorbed in her character is, like, she just how she takes upon all of this craziness that's going on, and she just gets herself swallowed up in it and just can't help herself. You know, she's... You know, got the classic traits of, you know, kind, funny, bit witty. Um I like that she can like stand her own ground. Got a bit of gum gumption. We like a bit of backbone. Got all really good qualities of making a good, strong character. And she was a wonderful lead for this um whole film. Like, I mean it I'll like it's hard for me not to say anything, but yeah, she she plays a massive role in this um, film, which I had no idea about. But yeah, I love Suzume. She was a fun female lead. Um, and in terms of Sota, uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh my God, just, I think it was the voice actor guy. He really entranced me in. As soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, I love you. That was that was it. I was sold on Sota. That was just oh, like you know. I know Japanese voice acting's like you know it's 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 always good. Like it be. I'd have to really go through my list and pick where is there been some bad voice acting, but man, there was there was some real real passion and drive, particularly through Suzume and. So just voice actors. Oh, I just, I loved the, I love the chemistry between them. And the voice acting was just so good of how, the, you know, these strangers, they just met and it's just like, something exploded. Um, it was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. A great main lead. Um, also something to do with these two regarding like romance part which i was obviously we have susan May, who's 17 and this isn't really a spoiler what i'm going into it's not it was an observation it reminded me of something and i think maybe some other people might be reminded of soto is like in university and he's he'd be like 20 21 And I feel like this was Serena and Darian. I really should say the Japanese names. Usagi and Mamoru from Sailor Moon. I feel like the spark between them. I feel like this referencing, I'm not saying it was the referencing they took it from actually Sailor Moon their ages, but oh my God, that's what it felt like. I was like, are you trying to do a... Uh, serena and darian here are you (laughs) just was like um yeah i felt like that's where it references from to me anyway and i think there was some other people that picked up on it when i read you know reviews about it you know after i'd seen the film but yeah that was something inadmissible that i don't think you could just not see (laughs) so i thought that was funny um in terms of the other characters oh great um i will say there is a lot of strangers involved in here a lot of strangers um among the cast that's all i'm going to say about that but all the characters are so really engaging um and even though some of them are classed as strangers in this um just for how they ended up playing their part and then yeah it was it was so well done that part but if you're really keen to hear more about when I said strangers wait till we get to the spoiler spoilers bits um but yeah so characters as a whole fantastic like especially the cat we can talk about the cat the white cat Dejan. um Oh, like such a character! It starts talking the minute that cat starts talking. Oh my god, the voice! He goes, "Suzume." <laughs> like, it, like he just treats what is going on as a whole game throughout the film. Um, it's oh god, it's so funny. It was yeah. I was like, there, there is the makoto shinkai humor right here. And let's talk about the humor. Um, some really good humor like. Especially incorporating relatable things like um, about link like social like how Makoto Shinkai links in social media, uh, the power of social media at one point in the story. Just there was a lot of life r- relatability to do with yeah, like social media and um, how to put this. There was a lot of like traits about you know how the modern day is now. Like there was just a lot of modern day things that were incorporated in this film that made it really work for it. And God, I loved it. Um, It was, yeah, it just kept things fresh and fly, really. Just kept things fresh. But obviously that was not the only thing that kept things, you know, fresh in this film. Um, But yeah, humor, Um, you got that Shinkai like humor that i think i remember i first saw in um your name of like if anyone's seen your name of the where the main characters um are riding on each other's hand you know where they can't see each other obviously because they wake up in each other's bodies and they don't realize it's happened and they've left messages on their hands and like that kind of humor it's just it's just funny and That humor is incorporated into this, but maybe more for the modern day of now, which I feel like was, yeah, fantastic, great. So, talked about characters and humor. God, trying to break this down, God. I I couldn't do this film justice, of my opinion, talking about it. I don't feel like anybody could do this film justice. I mean, it's just one of them ones you have to watch and see for yourself. So characters and humour. Terms of story. Okay. So obviously without going into spoiler territory here. Oh god, the how the story starts. Epic. Like, um, oh, it's it's epic. Like just how how the opening title comes in is all I'll say. Uh it was really really solid start. And then where you think the plot's gonna go, as I describe what the show, the film is about, the tone of the film changes drastically. It does. Um, everything's so upbeat and like, go, 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 because there's quite a bit of action in this, which I think this is the most action that's been incorporated in a Shinkai film, Um Like, you know, Your Name, you know, had a bit, you know, of like the transitioning of body swaps and that. But then um, Weathering With You had kind of bit of, you know, lots of running scenes and but this there's like explosions and there is just a lot of like, oh, life is at stake here action. And it's great. Um, That's like the first half of the film. And then the tone completely changes like it. It kind of slows down. It like darkens and slows down, and and then begins to pick itself back up. It is a bit of a roller coaster with the story, <laughs> like the tone of it. Um, I was just like, oh my god, okay, <laughs> let my little brain keep up here. Um, but no, tone of this film was like, oh god, it was completely, completely had me, you know, swallowed in. And, you know, obviously it's taken me a week until now to, like, get my collect my thoughts together because, you know, a lot of shit happens. <laughs> but, yeah, story. Oh, God. I mean, there are a few things that do confuse me about the story without me going into spoilers, but wait for the spoiler bit. Um, yeah, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> but that's okay. In terms of story, um, yeah, great. I don't know what else you want me to say on that. Cinematography. Well, wow, what is there much to say? We're, we're Shinkai here. I mean, like, you know, we've got beautiful scenes of the country, seaside town that Suzume lives in, and when she goes and visits places. Um, and like, just just the scene of her standing there looking at this door. I mean, you've seen the visual image that's gone around when this film was first announced. Oh God, it's just like, it. Like I look at it and it hurts. It hurts because it's so good. You know, you can just watch this with the visuals alone. It's like, yeah. Um, can't fold it. Flawless as ever. Yeah, that's it about the cinema. <laughs> i felt like you were thinking she's gonna say that right she's just gonna say it. it's just great hands down yeah not much to say there <laughs> um and all, so going on to like the fresh ideas about this film as i said you got, uh, before about like you know incorporating some of the modern-day things. But, like, and also saying that Makoto wasn't going for a boy... He was definitely not going for a boy-meets-girl um, feel with this film at all, but I won't reveal too much until we get to the spoiler bit. Um, there are a lot of different things going on in this film in terms of, like, themes. There is a lot of things going on, especially um shinkai references from a particular event which i feel like is not a spoiler but i will leave it for the spoiler section he references from a something that happened in japanese history um he has definitely put a lot of thought into where he wanted to go with this film and um you can see the different mindset that he has now through this film like what he currently wants out wants his films to be from now on and reading upon his interviews he's definitely going a different direction not steering away from the themes of romance and love and all that but um you can definitely tell that he is going a different direction um i would say this show is definitely a character driven show um really is about the characters obviously susan may in particular and thing I think one thing I didn't mention was about the music. Oh, like like the first few seconds, like you hear like Susan May coming out her door and like the there's the bike click. Like just these really singular focused sounds really set a tone for the start of the film, which I really enjoyed. And the music like, it's very up and down again, like where I'm saying before the tone of the story, the music is definitely in tune with that. Like, you know, we got action, you know, scenes. Like the music is really riveting, like right up there, high tones, ooh ooh. ooh. And then, then we get to like the mellow part of the film and like, it's very selective in what music is chosen in that. And obviously I can't go into too much <laughs> because obviously we'll go back to going to the spoiler zone in a second. Um there was a lot of different music and sounds used in this film as well. And that only made it more enjoyable. And still kind of reeling over how much I enjoyed this film. Um cuz I remember uh, I saw an Instagram post of one of my uh blogger friends, Takato saying about god i enjoyed that film so much and and now i see what he means i really do i don't see how you could not enjoy this film like you know maybe some you know hope for the next your name but this is a different direction for shinkai definitely but not a bad one like it's a good one i feel like it's going to be a It's just like a new, he's opening up a new chapter for himself. There's still the Shinkai in there, but he's got new ideas. I feel like that is the best way to wrap up Suzume. So, definitely not gonna waste your time seeing this film if you can sit through two hours and two minutes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, really enjoyed it. And would I get it on Blu ray? Most definitely. I would definitely get it on Blu ray. Uh, I definitely could see myself watching it again. So, that is my spoiler-free section for Suzume. And we are about to enter the spoilers. Yay, the exciting bit. So, if you would like to continue listening, you can. Or you can just skip on down to wherever I end up giving the closing, you know, the closing to my podcasts. What I'll talk about next. But, um, yeah. So spoiler time so where do we start my god so opening title i talked about the opening title oh my god so like i just it was so it was such a fucking crazy like going into it like We got Suzume and Sota trying to shut the door. No, no. So the worm's not getting in. And like, there's this epic, epic music building and building. There's a lot of building momentum going on here. And like, as soon as the door slams, the opening credits come in saying Suzume. And I was like, whoa. That was a great, great, great intro into this film. It was so, so good. I mean, even my partner, we're looking at each other and we're like, wow, okay. That was not what I expected. And I love seeing the beginning of the film. Like, I get an idea of where the story's going to go. Because you originally think it's going to be about Suzume May looking for her mother who's in this ever-after life. I and mean, she's a young kid. And obviously, throughout the film, you think, oh, so... Susan May is still you know got some psychological damage from like her mum going missing and she can't get over that and I feel like that is what the tone of the film is about and I feel like I couldn't have been more wrong <laughs> you know like by the end we'll get to that but but yeah that's what third that's your first impression that is it's like oh so she lost her mum and that's what it's kind of about. She wants to really like find a mum. Maybe her mum's in the ever after. Keeps having the same old dream. <clears throat> then gets wrapped up in Sota. Sota's world. And it feels like it's closer than ever. And like the hilarious scene of like how it starts. You know, Susan May gets swallowed up in this. And then like. They're going all around these places, Kyushu, like her town, Kobe. They go to Tokyo eventually, chasing this white cat. But before even any of that happens, the hilarious scene of, like, you know, I feel like there's going to be a classic scene going around on the socials, like, from now on, when Sota is turned into Suzume's childhood chair with three legs, and he's chasing the Dajang cat down up up the ferry ramp and she's following it it's like have you ever seen somebody chasing a chair (laughs) like this is where the humor kicks in like it's like what (laughs) i've definitely not seen anything like this in a shinkai film and this is where like the part of changing sota into a chair comes in as a different idea whereas saying you know shinkai is sick of you know boy meets girl kind of you know intros he's if he, in an interview he said i decided i want to do something different i decided so the d- gimmick here was to change sota into a chair and he wanted to steer away from the boy meets girl crap and i was like oh my god so this is what was behind it changing sota into a chair for the film it's very confusing at first but like now it makes sense about the humor and watching Kai Wanted. And I was like, yeah, love this. I love this, like these little dabbles of humor like that. And where I said about in the spoiler-free section for spoiler-free section about the use of modern day social media in that like the scenes of like people taking random pictures of this dojo and cat, you know, the keystone like everywhere. He's just like laying on the train and people are feeding him and Susan may scrolling through a phone like what the fuck is this cat doing? Like it was so funny. And it felt like we were seeing a different oh different side of Shinkai. I was like, okay, that this this is definitely different from what I have been introduced to previously. But we're here for it. So that was great. And like (laughs) especially the scenes of like Suzume just out outbursts towards her aunt, you know, that took over like raising her um and like towards Sota, like Suzume was just so funny. I loved her outbursts. They were hilarious. And um, so we're back to where Suzume gets taken on this crazy ride going all across Japan, and closing all these doors of great disaster. And obviously Soda can't do it anymore because he's turned into a chair. So chasing this cat. And then this is where another idea comes in, which worked so well for the film, where I talked about strangers in the spoiler free about characters. I say strangers. So Susan May, you know, she, it seems like her aunt is under the impression she's like a teenage runaway with her lover. Why she's not coming home? Why is she acting out? <laughs> Why is she doing this to me? And she goes and like kind of ends up meeting all these random strangers. Like the first one is, me uh, think a girl like on her moped um, where they're trying to get to these old ruins. Can't remember which city it was. And then the, this girl, you know, puts her up for the night gives her food in that and it's like and then she goes on to hitchhike gets a ride with a mum and her two kids and ends up babysitting for them realizes that the mum runs a karaoke bar and <laughs> and like ends up working there and looking looking after the kids yeah sorry i remember now yes that's when they go to Kyo- um tokyo Where the big epic tone of change of tone of the film happens. God, see what I mean? Why I said there was like so much to say. Going back to where Suzume ends up encountering these two strangers, like these brief meetings with these characters, they really, really, like you know, solidify that you know Suzume is like just on a journey throughout this whole thing, and they are just a part of it, but they play such an important role and. Even these characters, even though they have their brief sequence of moments in this film, they still really make an impact on the story. And it's just such a clever use it was of like having these brief encounters and that they, yeah, end up meaning a lot they do. And I really love that, that this like new fresh idea from um, Makoto Shinkai. So I just, you know, just I felt like it just kept evolving with all these <laughs> new ideas. And obviously, when we get to Tokyo, the shift of the film, the sorry, the tone of the film completely changes. Where like you know we've got the call it the Big Daddy, where like the you know the bit gigantic worm's about to get through um, the Ever After Portal, which is down like in a subway, and it, this is where like. I nearly got confused, but I thought the film wasn't going to explain to me where Sota ends up becoming the keystone because the cat has transferred the power of holding the worm um, or holding it, you know, from bringing doom on the world onto Sota's shoulders as a three-legged chair. Dajin has transferred the power of becoming a keystone to Sota. So that was... um, I was like, okay, this is going to be a change. This is. And obviously uh, Sota loses himself completely. Kind of just freezes over. And and then this is where things, you know, really begin to like die down a bit. As May, all she can end up becoming focused on is trying to, yeah, get uh break Sota free. And has to find another way to get to the ever after, um, place, because obviously the world of the living cannot enter there. And, I mean, this, again, this is where the (laughs) humour comes in. Um, but before that, with these, like, worm things that are causing disasters, you don't think there's reference behind it, not until I read about it from the interviews that Shinkai was basing this off of the great, um, 2011 uh, Takuto earthquake and tsunami. One of the worst Japanese earthquakes that's happened. And didn't realise that that was where this idea of worms coming to cause earthquakes. Because, you know, like, I was just like, why is bringing up these disasters, why is it only focused on earthquakes and not mentioning... Why isn't, like, a fire storm or hurricane or tsunami or whatever else happening. It's just earthquakes. That definitely ticked over in my brain and now it makes sense. And again, really great way to reference something like that. Um, Shinkai wanted to reference something important in this film to do with that disaster. And I think he incorporated that really well with story. Um, it just all makes sense. It all all these little things after i read about it <laughs> seeing the film began to make sense so um hope you're all still with me here <laughs> still got a little bit to dig through but um so then this is when the second half of the film really changes like like um susan may ends up going to soto's grandfather who used to be known as a closer in his family you know the shuts the doors of disaster and um says there is another way to get through. And um, this is where the focus shifts on to um, Suzume big time and and her aunt, which took her in when her mother um, disappeared. And um, so they say, disappeared. And I really love this, like, it's just so, I thought it was so weird, like, because Suzume ends up encountering Sota's friend Takami, who's a to be, to be, to be wood teacher. Um, and he ends up like tagging for the ride because Suzume says, I want to go to my old hometown. And her aunt finds her at the station and like is not going anywhere. And all three of them end up going, um, driving all the way to Suzume's town, which is yonks away, hours away. And like, <laughs> Tamaki. Soja's friend's got this shitty car convertible, and like when it starts raining, like, oh the roof's gonna work, it only it only covers Suzume, but it doesn't cover her aunt, and, um, uh, yeah, it doesn't cover her aunt, and, um, Tomo, Tomoya, sorry, I kept calling Sota's friend Tamaki, sorry, that's, that's, uh, Suzume's aunt, I meant, uh, Tamoya. So it ends up, so they end up getting rained upon Tamaki and Tomoya. and just thought it was so funny, and then, like you know, Tomoya is not taking this as a real big deal, like they're just traveling to Suzume's May's town, and he has no fucking idea why, and like <laughs> it's he's putting on these different songs that seem he's that seem to be trying to fit with the mood of the film or the mood of the characters, like you know, we've got some old Banger nineties song playing, and then. Next minute, you'll hear, um, you know, about how Tamaki's feeling. Like, you know, that Suzume just doesn't want anything to do with her. obviously won't tell her anything. And this is where the music really kicks in. Like, these selective pieces of music that were chosen during this whole car ride was so funny. I thought it was so funny because it fitted with how the characters were feeling. And it's just like, what is going on? Like, everything was crazy at the first First half of the film, and then word to this. So, um, yeah, it's just funny. So then we get to like the they got to find the door that Susan May used as a kid, where she ended up in the Ever After, and um, looking for a mum. They got to find that door, and um, obviously, this is where the grand finale happens, and finally, where. Things began to, yeah, not began, endedly made sense to me. But then there were things that didn't make sense. Like, we got the white Dijon cat, but then we got this black one that appears. I think it belonged to the grandfather, but it was also a keystone as well. Because there's a second keystone. And because this black cat randomly appears in the red car when they're on the way to Susamay's town. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, even my partner and me are looking at each other like, um, what does this black cat even have anything to do with? Like, I mean, even the characters are like that. It's so funny it'd be in harmony. Like the characters are confused. You're confused. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. So it's just a confusing moment for everybody in that moment. And I loved it. Um, you know, after having time to let it all sink in about the film. it was clever. And so all I know is that this cat had came to their aid. There was a purpose. But yeah, that was a confusing part of the plot. It was a bit. But obviously we finally get to the ever after bit and everything's burning. And I think this signifies another part of the earthquake um, reference disaster as well. But obviously we get to the bit where you know soda finally becomes free. And I will say, like the bit that made me cry was not even at that part. It was at the part where Soto becomes Keystone and Susan May screaming and I don't know why, just her calling out, just the, I think it was just the performance of it. It just got God it got me so emotional. I'm just like I was like fucking hell stop screaming. <laughs> I was like, this is too much. (laughs) It was, yeah, very soulful acting there. Like, real in the moment there. And, yeah, it really got to me. Just wanted to mention that. And obviously, you know, when Sota finally turns back into not a chair, into a human being, um, I thought that part would really get to me. It, It did. Like, on Susan May's part, like, her, you know, long plea that she's, like, ringing out as well as crying. Um... You know, because I felt—I guess I was feel—I was waiting to feel, you know, the spark between them. Like, you know, it seems she can't be to do without Sota at all, even in the short time she's known him. And I didn't really feel it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's really hard to feel anything between them at the moment because so much randomness has happened. <laughs> It's like I'll, it's like I'll think about this later. This little plot point, I'll think about it later. And then, obviously, we get to the finale bit, which finally makes sense of the trauma that Suzume has faced. You know, losing her mother, and really that little girl of that was, you know, going, you know, going it, walking around aimlessly in this Ever After field, as you saw in the beginning of the film. Um and that really it was a young Suzume and then you see, you know, a lady that you assumes her mum, but is actually Suzume of now. Like as she is now, facing what she just faced. It's like herself. So I was I was like, ah, oh, this is about a journey of self, this is. That, you know, Suzume just couldn't get over what happened and just worried that things would not be okay for the future. So I was getting the themes now. Some of the themes are really beginning to come clear. And the themes of like, this is about a human, humans overcoming adversity and, you know, what the future, the future will be brighter. There'll be a better tomorrow. And that scene really got to me where she's talking to herself that everything will be okay. like. That was a real, I was thinking, oh, my God, you've just gone through a right old journey for yourself, Suzume. And the way the little girl, little Suzume is walking back through the door. It was just, yeah, it really, um, I feel like the film could have like ended there, to be honest. Because then we got the after part of like, you know, her and Sota, which I don't, still don't know what they really are. Because I know Shinkai wasn't going for the boy meets girl thing. But still, (laughs) I'm like, um, I just don't know what to think about these two together. I believe that Suzume and Sota have a bond. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like it's just huge referencing from like Sailor Moon, this is. 17 year old with a 20 university guy i think it was left open-ended of you know where those two could go but not saying there wasn't anything between them because there was but it wasn't the main focus of the uh, film at all in the end because this film had many focuses it was about yeah humans overcoming shit um growing up with trauma um hoping for a better tomorrow that the referencing of you know real life disasters like the Japanese earthquake of 2011, also there was mentioned the 1923 earthquake Great Kanto earthquake was mentioned as well. Um, that's how I felt like the worm things were represented of that earthquake as well. This film was a lot about a lot of things it was that's those themes i took away and that um obviously you know of we can overcome anything i feel like you need to read up on some of shinkai's um interviews about this to get like a better scope which i will definitely link a couple for you to this podcast so saves you going to search um But yeah, this film of why I think it was so enjoyable um, was definitely about a lot more than, not even about Boy Meets Girl. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I feel like that's gonna be the end of the spoiler section. I feel like I've got everything nearly out, I wanted to say. But yeah, you know what, Suzume? I know I've not rated any anime I've talked about so far um, that I've talked about in um each episode. But because this is like new, new, I would definitely give Suzume a 9 out of 10, I think. Obviously 10 being great. I think what stops it being from a 10, I think it's just the ending, how it ended. I mean, it leaves you a lot to wonder, obviously. It's nice. I don't mind when things are left open-ended and you know, leave it to the imagination, you know, because that's where you can take it what you want. But I think I guess it's about just regarding Suzume and Sota, you know. But as a whole, um, I think that Suzume was something that was needed for now, I believe, what Shinkai's direction was. And it's nothing, again, like I said, before I went into the spoiler section, that you're gonna waste your time with, definitely not. I feel like no film by Shinkai is a waste of time because he has something to say in each of his films, no matter what it is. And um, yeah, you should just go to the cinema and go watch it, or go buy it on Blu-ray and watch it. Hopefully it'll come on streaming services, but I think that'll be some time. But yeah, there's nothing stopping you from going to the cinema right now. Wherever you are in the world, if it's available, you should go watch this film. It'll be a great night out for you. And leave your brain thinking, that's if you decided to carry on listening to the spoiler part and you've just spoiled yourselves. Don't. <laughs> but... Yeah, I feel like that's all I got to say about Suzume. Everything that I think I have covered. (laughs) But I always feel like after I've done an episode, I'm like, ah, darn it. Didn't say about that part. And also, thinking about that, I realize that the ending song, I'll mention, uh, Rad Whips was involved in this. I should be stupid thinking that they weren't because they were. And the ending song, ah, that hit real deep um yeah nah rad whips on any of shinkai's films add a great different tone to everything so yeah see that's what i nearly forgot to mention about rad whips okay i think we're really done now (laughs) but in terms of what i think i will talk about next episode definitely going to be a seasonal one that I finished for the winter 2023 season sorry 2022 season um I definitely would like to talk about one of those haven't picked which one yet but um I'm hoping that I could get another one out for April maybe we can finally achieve the goal of two once again now that I feel a bit settled but I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think this will be a long one because I've been ch- looking at how long I've been recording this. I haven't. But um, until next time, where I take a pause for whatever series I'm currently engulfed in or watching or even if it's a film that's confused me. I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.